this is must watch our podcast about all of the things we are watching on streaming so what were you must watching this week you know what insert the booze that was bad no because even (laughs) though we are literally working via the english language both in writing and oral form i say that was a great inversion of the english language i support it boo no it's bad you can you it's bad it's bad i don't care but it is bad i like it but we are going to talk about what we're watching we're going to talk about when these avalanche of disney films actually become available to watch via streaming and we're going to talk about a great concept that i've been thinking about a lot lately and that is the resurgence of the older hollywood star getting a kind of second wind comeback on streaming hell yeah let's do it let's get into it baby what did you watch over the long win- weekend, Brandon? <laughs> what did I watch? It's a great question, Jean. I watched a little bit of you because I had never seen it before. So I'm watching it with my girlfriend. Yeah. I, I watched, I'm showing her Lost in return. So we're like four or five episodes in on that, which, you know, I'm thrilled about because every five seconds I'm pausing. I'm like, oh my God, this is this cool backstory and little trivia tidbit to this. And uh, what else did I watch? I watched a little Girls 5 Eva. So it was a nice eclectic weekend of viewing. Thing. Yeah, what what about you, my friend? I watched, I wanted to try some of the recent um, movie releases, like the lighthearted stuff. I tried to watch Vacation Friends on Hulu. Um, I was like not in the right mood. I watched probably like 45 minutes of it. And I was like, I'm not as into this as I wanted to be. Oh, I'm sorry. I was feeling it, but I think John Cena is very funny when he plays against type. Yeah, absolutely. I I found the entire thing pleasant. I was just like, found myself on my phone a lot. And I was like, I don't have to finish this. Let this be a lesson. If you're not feeling something, guys, there are so many other things you can do with your time and so many other things you can watch. Although I will embarrassingly admit that I then started watching, um, Netflix's Afterlife of the Party starring Victoria oh my Justice. God. I, I watched about 25 minutes of that as we were me and my girlfriend were yeah. going to sleep. And spoilers, because it's the worst movie ever. And trust me, you shouldn't care. She I was like, I just kept waiting. I'm like, I just want to make it to the death scene so then I can go to sleep because I just want to see how they do it. Forever. And not only does it take forever, but they kill her. She trips and falls and hits her head on the toilet. Like the dumbest, stupidest death ever. And it comes a night after she somehow blackout drunk, stumbles home completely alone, a 90 pound white girl Mm -hmm. coming home from the big city, wasted and is fine. But in the morning, she's so hungover, she trips and kills herself on her toilet. Uh Oh, yeah. my God. I was just like, this is the worst movie ever. And I rolled over and went to sleep. Um, I also put it on like while I was in bed and that stayed on the whole time, but I was on my phone, but like on purpose on my phone, whereas vacation yeah. friends, I was like trying to enjoy it. Yeah. So they served different purposes. Right. Afterlife of the party is exactly what you think it is. So like, dog shit. if you w- look at that poster <laughs> or even watch the trailer and you're like, I'm still going to press play. That's what you'll get. <laughs> I don't, you know. And while I liked Vacation Friends more than Eugene, I want to reiterate reiterate your point. You can pause and stop watching. And in fact, I urge you to do so because it actually gives the streaming companies more useful data and how to craft better entertainment that doesn't get paused because they do measure exactly when you pause, when you come back and press play, when you turn something off. They measure all that stuff. So you're actually helping us get better television and movies by doing so. Exactly. And then I'll tell you the last thing I watched, which was great. 
Um, not to brag, I'm doing a literal hair flip right now, but, uh, I watched, yeah, I watched the first couple of episodes of the new season of sex education, which comes out in a few weeks. And I loved it. I love that show. I loved the new episodes. I love the new character played by Jemima Kirk. I can say this because I I think the review embargo was, um, I don't think it has lasted. Well, whatever. But anyway. I, I watched the entire season. Please. Yeah, I watched the entire. Listen, I liked but, it. Yeah, Netflix I think that's fair to say. Netflix isn't going to get mad because I watched the entire season in one night when I couldn't sleep one night. And I go. loved it. And every single time the show returns, I love it more than when it left. And this is just a great show. It's just flat out a great show that makes me happy and sad, ugly cry. Yeah. And listen, if, if Scott has to bleep this segment, so we don't share our opinions, um, just think about what we would feel about a show that Brandon watched the entire season of when he got it. Like, hmm, what do you yeah. think we thought about it? <laughs> exactly. Couldn't, couldn't turn it off, but yeah. Anyway, we talk about, yeah. yeah, we talk about the streaming things because we can't turn it off. I'm glad you brought up movies because there are a ton of recent streaming movies, Gene. And you got to, I want you to tell me if this happens to you because you, okay. my friend, are one of the most knowledgeable entertainment experts I know. Do your friends who aren't in the entertainment industry look to you, talk to you, text you, call you? Maybe they even instant message you because it's somehow 1999 and they're still on AOL and just ask you, hey, when is so-and-so coming to streaming? When can I watch so-and-so for no extra cost? You know, when when is so-and-so coming out? Are you the constant go-to for your friend group for all of those related inquiries? Yeah, I think my my friends that I... um hang out with regularly we're all pretty in tune to that stuff and like living in LA a a lot of your friends are tangentially related to the industry in in a way but but yeah I definitely play that role for my family for for old friends that I don't see as often I had a friend um who is a teacher in Florida and if you're wondering how long it took for her fully vaccinated to get COVID in the school year it was two weeks Jesus. Thanks, Rhonda Santis. Um, but I just sent her a whole thing of suggestions for her to watch while she is homesick. <laughs> well, we're sending her a, a quick recovery right now. We are so sorry you live in Florida. Uh, I'm allowed to say that. My father lives in Florida. So <laughs> you know what? Come at me. I'm justified. And uh, yeah, when we're not afraid to get political here. That guy sucks. Yeah. Rhonda political in that Again, we believe in science and uh, got vaccinated because you know what? She is not super ill and she honestly didn't even think that the test was going to be positive because she just thought it was allergies. So science is good. Get vaccinated, kids. Absolutely. (laughs) But but to our point, we, you know, so many of my friends, they're constantly asking me, particularly this summer, when certain movies are going to be made available via, via streaming. We know Warner Brothers, famously or infamously, depending on your perspective, all of their films in 2021 hit HBO Max on the same day they arrive in theaters. But what about Disney movies? Because Disney has been releasing certain movies on Disney Plus Premier Access and certain movies exclusive exclusively in theaters. So I've been hit with so many questions of when People can watch these for no extra charge. I think it's time we clear up the confusion, Gene. What do you say? Oh my gosh. Brennan, clear it up. Clear it up. <laughs> so if you if you aren't aware as of yet, Disney makes their Disney Plus premiere access films available on Disney Plus proper, 
roughly three months after they de- their debut. I know that sounds confusing, but here, we're going to break it down. Black Widow came out in theaters and Disney Plus Premier Access, which means you had to buy it for $30 at home. It came out July 9th, so it will be available to watch at no extra charge for Disney Plus subscribers on October 9th. Jungle Cruise, The Rock, Dwayne, uh, uh, Emily Blunt, it's getting a sequel, all that good stuff. It debuted July 30th, so it's going to arrive on Disney Plus around Halloween. So all future Disney Plus Premier Access movies, which none are publicly, but we'll see if that changes, about three months. Now, when it comes to this weekend's release, Gene, Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings, by the way, did you see it? Yeah, and I would like to go on record saying that it fucking ruled. I yeah. loved it. Movie whips ass. If you yeah, haven't it seen awesome. it, highly recommend it. I found it shockingly funny. Like I was not Love going it. in expecting it to be that hilarious. Re- Tony Luong, and if I'm pronouncing mispronouncing that, my fault. Just eminently watchable. Yeah, and he uh, to be like the thirsty correspondent. Like he in is just as hot as Simu Liu, <laughs> which um, is great because they played father and son. Yeah. Um, I mean, so there's a lot of a lot of eye candy there. That's <laughs> a serious lineage. And listen, if we're going to talk about eye candy too, and this is just a brief tangent, then we'll get back to what we're talking about. Tony Lowing's character, spoilers, 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 in the movie has been alive for a thousand years. He's only fathered two kids. Bullshit. I call bullshit on that. <laughs> there's no way a warlord that good looking has only fathered two kids over a millennia. You know, it's that just not happening. A really good point. That is a really good point. <laughs> I call shenanigans on you, Marvel. That dude is getting laid all the time. That is so true. <laughs> but wow. back to the our original huge point. plot hole. Yeah. Why aren't we talking about this? Like it's like Genghis Khan. Like five percent of the population would trace their DNA back to him. Let's be real. Yes. Uh, well, but my back, mind was blown. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, back to the point. But the reason I bring up Shang-Chi is because this is an exclusive theatrical release. So it doesn't have any Disney Plus premiere access counterparts going on. So what that means is it's going to stay in theaters exclusively for 45 days before being made available on any other platform. So at that point, after 45 days, I could see it, Gene, maybe getting a couple weeks exclusive on other premium video on demand platforms like on demand, Apple, Amazon. But all in all, we shouldn't have to wait more than one and a half to two months for Shang-Chi, which just opened this past weekend, to hit Disney Plus proper. So anyone who's out there who's been wondering when these big Marvel films and Disney films are going to be made available, I hope that helps at least a modicum. To, to, to clear up any confusion and give you a timeline on when you can sit your butt down on the couch, make some popcorn and not move for two and a half hours. This is great clarity. And, and I think that people were definitely skeptical of the fact that Delta is so huge and Disney is still releasing Shang-Chi as a theatrical only experience Um, but you know, we got the first box office, um, data and it did pretty, pretty fantastically. Oh yeah. Um, and so I don't know. I, I I think that if you are a person who's trying to be cautious, know that you only have a, a, as Brandon said, like two months maybe before you can watch it at home on Disney plus, but also, um, highly recommend looking into your local theater rental prices because 
my friends and I found a local theater. We rented it out on Friday night for literally $99. Awesome. And we got a huge group of like 25 people. So it was like five bucks a person. And it was like recliners. They bring you food. It was like, it was so much fun. I'm like, can we just rent this again tomorrow and literally watch the same movie? (laughs) Because it was so good. And I can't wait to watch it like three times in theaters at like least. I think we need one of our super fans, if we have any, to just go back and see how many times on this podcast, because it's multiple, I have said, I want to hang out with Jean and her friends because you guys just do dope shit. Yeah. Guess what? Come out to LA. We'll hang. It's going to be great. I love it. I want to throw two two things out there, too, to just put in some extra context. Shang-Chi opened over the three-day weekend to about $74 million. So in COVID, it opened bigger than Doctor Strange did, which did about $65 million in 2016. So that's impressive. And number two, if you're being cautious, completely understand that Disney, it sounds based on Bob Chapek, who is the CEO of Disney, based on his recent comments, that had distribution agreements not been put and cemented in stone three months ago when they thought the theatrical industry was going to be a lot healthier and COVID wasn't going to be as much of a prevalent thing. It sounds like had it not been for that, he would have done a hybrid release here too, but they were locked into agreements that they couldn't break for, you know, contractual reasons. So that is why right now it's an exclusive, but it's making a ton of money. It'll probably hold better week to week than black widow as a result. And really importantly, it bodes super well for Eternals not getting pushed back. So true with my, another of my, um, TV husbands, Richard Madden. Understandable. Very understandable. I, I mean, him. I, and it's so great for me too, because I get I get Gemma Chan and Angelina Jolie and Salma Hayek. It's just, it's an embarrassment of riches when you throw them in with Richard Madden and, and Kit Harrington and Kumail Nanjiani. Yeah, and ripped Kumail. <laughs> and Brian Tyree Henry, who is just yes. a force of personality and talent every time a he shows up. really attractive people in that movie. I guess if you're going to live forever, then you should be hot. So I understand why they're all hot. And again, we're going on tangents. We'll get back to our main topic. But one of the characters in Eternals is a 15-year-old girl, but really she's a thousand, you know, 7,000 years old. So that's an interesting dynamic from a character standpoint that the movie's going to touch on too. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. Yeah. Yeah, all right. love it. That Now that's streaming movies and when movies are going to be available and VMA streaming. But let's come back to TV streaming, which is really Gene and I's bread and butter here on this podcast, if I do say so myself. I think you should say so I yourself. Think so. Okay. I think we're allowed to do some horn tooting. Yeah, toot toot, baby. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I like that. So I, I've been noticing a trend and I'm certainly not the first to bring it up, Gene. I wish I could have coined this huge phenomenon going on, but I didn't. Streamings to me has seemingly created this very viable ecosystem of rejuvenation for stars that may or may not have been thought to be fading from the limelight a little bit after decades of prominence, or at least maybe trending away from being the the main character opening big blockbuster movies at the box office or who always is number one on the call sheet. It, It really seems to have offered an expanded landscape for names to get back in the game. You know, right now on Hulu, I think the best example of that is only murders in the building with Steve Martin and Martin Short, two unbelievably talented people. But, you know, this is not a criticism. They've been around for 50 years now. And yet they're starring on a critically acclaimed new series on one of the biggest American streaming services. And they're not the only ones. You know, Little Fire Everywhere's 
uh, Little Fires Everywhere continued, um, I believe, Nicole Kidman's TV resurgence. Uh, Netflix has the Kaminsky method with Michael Douglas and Alan Arkin. They've got Grace and Frankie with Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda. HBO Max with Hacks. We love Gene Smart. Apple TV, Lysi, Apple TV Plus, Lysy Story with Julianne Moore. There's, there's a bunch of examples of somewhat older stars having this sort of resurgence in critically acclaimed small screen projects. Have you noticed that or am I crazy? Um, you might be crazy, but not for this particular observation. Fair, fair. Uh, I think you're absolutely correct. And it's also like not to say that like Julianne Moore and Nicole Kidman are comparable in age to Steve Martin. No, no. <laughs> but, Nor but are any of those names irrelevant yes. in pop culture right now. They all totally. have a footprint. It just yes. seems like they got a little steam going right now. Exactly, exactly. And I think that has to do with, the, uh, honestly, if we're going to get really granular about it to start, like the budgets, these streamers yeah. can pay for these mega famous people. Uh, like even, even, you know, the morning show yeah. with Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon, they're not like older talents, but you know, they are huge names. And they're that making more than a million dollars an episode. Right. They're not going to say yes to an NBC sitcom. They're not. <laughs> And they will say yes to a streaming service that gives them uh, say as a producer and like being able to give input in the creative direction of the things that they're working on. And I think that that is really exciting for people who have done so many. I mean, the, the, the commonality between all these people is that they are really, really, really accomplished people. And they have done a lot of really great things in their career. And this is something that you might not necessarily have expected from them in the past, but it's, it makes total, total sense for them right now. I mean, Jane Fonda, like, Jane need Fonda. I say more? Jane yeah. Fonda. Yeah. And, and I think because streaming is so prevalent and because there is such an ocean of content that viewers are seemingly drowning in, you know, paralysis of choice and the the indecision factor. I think some of these can get a little bit lost in the shuffle, but we forget how rare it is in Hollywood, an industry literally built on you being young and good looking, how disposable names have become regardless of talent. And now all of a sudden, because there's such a wealth of options, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter really kind of what you look like anymore. Anyone, if you got the skills, you got the talent, can headline their own big scale project. And that's that's an amazing time we're living in, in entertainment. Yeah, I love it. And to talk specifically about Only Murders in the Building, which Steve Martin, you know, co-created with Dan Fogelman of, of This Is Us. And- Strong team right there. Yeah, exactly. I, the thing that I really love about the show, so basically- Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez are the three stars of this show, and they all live in this old money, Upper West Side, New York City apartment building. I'm assuming it's based on like the Dakota or something similar. And they discover through a confluence of events that they all three are obsessed with the same true crime podcast. And at the same time, there is a murder in their building and they decide to team up and create their own true crime podcast 
about this murder in their building that they're trying to solve. And now they all have different ties to the victim and you learn a lot more as, as the weeks unfold. But something that I think is really interesting about that is this is, you know, as we're saying, old dogs, Steve Martin, Martin Short, new tricks, podcasting, uh, teaming up with someone much, much younger. And by the way, I have to say Selena Gomez is fantastic in this show. She's giving probably the best performance of her career. And she is more than holding her own with these legends. And she's giving such an interesting and like layered performance. It's really fantastic, but it's really fun to see these intergenerational, uh, group of, of misfits kind of encounter this modern technology and, and learn how to deal with that. And it's not just in like a, Oh, the kids are doing the TikToks. You know, like it's not <laughs> just that one joke, right? It's, oh, you're going to be really such a good grandma one day, Jean. <laughs> the kids and their TikToks. Um, anyway, <laughs> so I really, really love the show. I've seen eight of the 10 episodes. And I have to tell you, I was livid when I discovered that they have withheld the final two episodes from us because I want to know who did it. <laughs> How dare they, Jean? Hulu, so, if you're listening. I mean, shit, we still oh, love damn. you. No, we, I still love you. And don't yeah. worry, I emailed the publicist. I was like, what? What? Excuse me? Um, she was like, sorry. Like, eh, <laughs> she knows that I want today. it. <laughs> I, I think you bring up a, a great point in terms of these kind of old dogs, new tricks. And I'm wondering if that dovetails with what we're seeing in Hollywood. Because we've seen the entertainment industry over the last 15 years move away from originals and toward recycling their own library. Now that's not the case here because only murders in the building is super original, but that seems to offer a lot of opportunities for legacy sequels and revivals. You know, you got Gilmore Girls and Fuller House and Willow Grace and Murphy Brown, and we got a Mighty Ducks sequel on Disney+. Plus. It seems like the time is ripe for some of these older stars to be born again in a sense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's like, it's interesting because it's the Hollywood conundrum now of like existing IP, you know, existing names are more well-known to audiences and studios are really afraid to gamble on original ideas. And I think this is a facet of that, but it's also kind of a different issue because when people are beloved stars that it like, that has nothing to do with, um, you know, the, the property that they're in. Right. right? They just, do they just want to, see these these stars so it's like it's like another chapter in the same book I don't know (laughs) I don't know what kind of analogy I can use but like I think that Hollywood is really obsessed with nostalgia honestly pop culture in general is really obsessed with nostalgia and this is just one more facet of that um you know, Stranger but Things doesn't exist without nostalgia and right. Netflix is it's arguably the biggest hit on streaming period that's true and it is an original concept um but I think the thing that we as viewers are hopefully going to get more of is new ideas using yeah. these tried and true people rather than just retreads of the same material yeah. and that's I that's I think the like the nuance in the in the discussion where if you look at these two different issues they kind of look like feel like they're the same but they're not you know right 
you know, to, to respond to that, it doesn't really have anything to do with older stars, although one of the ones we mentioned is in it. I think HBO's Watchmen is the best net positive of using an existing IP, but remixing it into something entirely new. It might as well have been an original story. Jean Smart is in that. We love her and she's great in it. It might as well have been an original story. It was essentially a sequel set 30 years after the events, but in, in when going in entirely new directions that none of us really could have ever predicted or, or expected. So I think when Hollywood studios do start to look inward and backward at their own libraries, that's a great way to do it. Let's take the name, sure, but fix everything under the hood, change out the interior, you know, give the exterior a coat of paint, all that good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like, I'm trying to think of like a, an analysis from the music world. It's kind of like the difference between a sample and a cover. Oh, wow. And, Great analogy. And like covers are great and and they're really great every so often but isn't it a little bit more interesting that we have the original and then we use a sample to create something new yeah. and and that's kind of where I think a lot of people get stuck <laughs> and by people I mean like Hollywood execs basically <laughs> yeah. I just want more new stuff y'all and we can new do stuff. new packaged and old we can do it you just yeah. got to put in a little bit of thought. You can't just say the audience will show up because it's Fuller House. <laughs> you can't, they're grown up and there's, there's more people in the house. Oh my God. Fuller. It's Fuller. Yeah. God, this show's terrible. And if you like it out there, I'm sorry. I don't mean to offend you, but it, it's just not a good show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Zipped. So, so, so Gene, uh, of the ones I mentioned, is, is there, you know, an old star born again series right now? on streaming that particularly stands out to you one that you would absolutely recommend to others that's really interesting question and i'm gonna shoot it back to you and think (laughs) about it while you give your answer (laughs) very fair well i think of the ones i mentioned there's a lot of good one only murders in the building on hulu right now little fires everywhere uh, the Kaminsky Method, Grace and Frankie, Hacks, Licey Story. I'm personally going with Hacks, a, a comedy I think could possibly dethrone Ted Lasso as the best comedy at the upcoming Emmys, I think potentially, given the backlash to season two, which I personally find ridiculous because it's great. Uh, but I, I really think this is a show that is giving Gene Smart a well-deserved leading platform, a, a, a bigger stage than kind of the supporting role she's played over the last decade or so. And she is absolutely slaying it in something that is touching and emotional and hilarious all at the same time. So if you guys haven't seen Hacks on HBO Max, check it out. Yeah, I would totally endorse your answer. And I would also say if you're looking for, if you've already watched Hacks and you're looking for something new, please check out Only Murders in the Building. I absolutely loved it. I texted my parents uh, in our family group chat because they were talking about not knowing what they were going to watch. And I was like, hey, start it. And um, they did. And within 30 seconds, my dad texted me about like the obscure folk song that was playing. This is what my dad does. He, he, he He's like a huge folk musician guy. And he just texts me about obscure folk songs in the soundtrack of things that I recommend to him. And honestly, um, it's delightful. It's like the extreme dad energy <laughs> of only murders in the building, which does have dad energy. <laughs> You can tell him fun fact: Steve Martin in real life really yeah. does play the banjo. Oh, he knows. My dad, okay, my good. dad dabbles in banjo. He's not, 
He's not bad, but um, let me tell you, I have heard a lot of amateur, I've been to many a bluegrass festival and folk music festival. And um, I have heard a lot of beginner banjo playing. And let me tell you, it takes a lot of practice to <laughs> not sound terrible. There is maybe, there are maybe not, there are not many sounds in the world quite as awful as beginner banjo. All right, well, uh, Mr. So. Bentley, I hope you will forgive me, but I won't be hiring you to play at my wedding. No, no, no. He's, he's fine, but he's a great guitar player. So he just dabbled because he's, you know, he, that's what, that's what he does. <laughs> he like goes into his little music room and just plays instruments, but his guitar is his thing. He, he's not right, really a banjo guy. That's fine. Right, so he wouldn't tell you he is either. So if you're going to talk to some um, 70 something man about playing the banjo for you, I would recommend pinging Steve Martin and not my dad. <laughs> that's, that's my recommendation. Does your dad listen to our podcast? No, he, I, I don't think he could tell you how to get a podcast. Actually, if I send him this link, he will listen to it. Okay. Well, Mr. <laughs> Bentley, I just want you to know that you have raised a, an amazing daughter <laughs> who also has a very good grasp of what makes amateur banjo playing quality or not. Yeah, yeah. Let me tell you guys, um, don't subject your loved ones to uh, your amateur banjo playing until you get a little bit better at it. And this is not it, speaking from personal experience because my father did not do that, but I have been subjected to uh, other people's loved ones subjecting me to amateur banjo. and it's That's just a very truly, unique uh, niche, you know, because I have never been yeah. subjected to amateur banjo at any point in my entire yes. life. So you yes. have lived a very interesting life. Jane. You know, if we pivot this podcast to folk music from the 60s, uh, just <laughs> I, I have a surprising wealth of knowledge, uh, <laughs> you it. know. All right, well, then to, buy, to tie a bow on this, Gene, is there a veteran star of Hollywood that you would love to see get their comeback resurgence streaming moment? And if so, who, you know, who is it? What kind of TV show would you like to say? Ooh, that's a great question. I, I don't think I can pinpoint a name, but I would like to go with an idea, which is women from like the eighties and nineties whose careers maybe got derailed by bad men <laughs> i would love for all of them to get a chance to do something really really cool i think about like like ashley judd right she could do an amazing streaming something i feel like she would be fantastic there are so many women who maybe left the industry because they were sick and tired of you know dealing with the shit that I think could come back and do some really, really interesting stuff. So I would love to see that. I think that's a great call. I'm in full support of it. I think it's awesome. I would personally love to see, and this doesn't quite fit because A, I, I don't think she's quite in the age bracket we're exactly exploring. And B, she's still extremely relevant because she's in a million things, including Shang-Chi, Michelle Yeoh. <sighs> It doesn't Honest. look as if her planned Star Trek spinoff on on what was CBL, CBS All Access, now Paramount Plus, is happening. It was announced a few years ago. No development. She's got a lot of other projects on the, on, the, on the gamut. But I would love to see her lead her own project. She is a full-on badass, a beautiful woman, a talented actress, and of all the celebrities I've ever interviewed in person in my entire life, the best well-dressed. And that has nothing to do with anything, but it damn it deserves mentioning. That really does deserve mentioning. There are people who you meet and they just have like such a star quality. 
And yeah. she absolutely is one of them. You're like, I get it. You are a huge star around the entire globe because you are you. <laughs> yep. I, I interviewed her and Paul Feig, director Paul Feig, back to back. And I sat down with Paul Feig and I was like, yeah, I just came back from uh, talking with Michelle. And he goes, oh, you talked to Michelle. Now you're closing it out with me. That's a terrible downgrade for you. <laughs> and I was like, you, my friend, are a good man. And yeah, he's, he's a also fan. a very well-dressed celebrity. He's always That's in true. And then we talked about how well-dressed and impeccably put together Michelle Yeoh is. And he was like, no, she puts me to shame. Yeah, honestly, you know, should we pivot? Should we make this a fashion podcast now? I, I, mean, I don't know anything do about it. fashion, but I know when Michelle Yeoh entered that room, and again, I know nothing about fashion. I was like, that woman has incredible style. Yes, that's so true. That's the that's the thing about people, again, with that star power or with really good taste. You're like, I know nothing about this, but I know that this is good. <laughs> like, I know it's cover worthy, even yeah. though I don't know. I couldn't tell you what a frock is or what a frill is. I don't know. There's all these terms that I always hear. and I'm like, I don't know what that means. My I girlfriend's love that. always sending me fashion TikToks. I'm like, lady, I don't know what any of this is. But you, but you watch them and that's a sign of a good partner. So. <laughs> I try, I try. You know what? A plus, good Thank work. Thank you, too. I appreciate that. All right, well, <laughs> that will do it for us here on Must Watch. If you guys have any suggestions or questions or recommendations about which veteran star you want to see have a comeback, hit us up at Hygiene at great underscore Catsby. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You could also slip your recommendation or question in there. We'll be happy to bring it up on the pod and actually quote you and all that good stuff. And, uh, you know, until next week, everybody.